Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. We're into episode number 38 of the show. Um, this week's topic, we want to talk about endurance ride fueling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hot topic. I've been getting a lot of questions about that recently because we're in this kind of endurance base block midsummer kind of rebuilding towards a end of summer fall possible race schedule <laughs> resumption <laughs> resumption is that a word i don't i don't know um and we are recording recording from cordelaine idaho and we're sitting inside the rv hopefully a big truck won't go by in the campground or our dogs won't bark at other dogs walking by but it's a cloudy day here perfect for being inside the rv Whereas the last couple of days, it was gorgeous and sunny and perfect riding weather. Yeah, we really lucked out, actually, because the first few days of our trip, um, so to catch people up, we're on a, a road trip. Since there's no racing involved, we decided, um, why don't we just, of it. yeah, why don't we go somewhere and ride? So we're planning our three to four week endurance block to rebuild for the second half of the season. Um, following along with our 2020 season salvation plan that we talked about in the last couple episodes. And yeah, with no racing on tap, why not pack up and see see some of the country we haven't seen in a while or ever? and Visit old friends? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's been awesome. So we left Denver, I think it was, it's today, Saturday? Yeah, we left Denver a week ago, eight days ago, and drove up to Bozeman, Montana, which is delightful. Yes, I hadn't been there before. I had never really, been Really, I hadn't been in Montana much at all. No, I'd never much. been there. Yeah. So I love Bozeman. It's vaguely reminiscent of Crested Butte, Colorado, but much bigger than Crested Butte, but it had like a feel of it to me and just gorgeous scenery. It was um, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. The weather didn't totally cooperate. It's a little rainy. Yeah, so like the first day you and I opted out and Sophia, our, our daughter, gamely put on her bike clothes and... Rode road in Two the kind of icy rain, rain. <laughs> yeah but yeah she said it was gorgeous like she i think she rode up this canyon up to like a state park or something and just loved it um but she came back shivery and muddy and um really cold yeah and the next day the weather cooperated and all three of us went out to ride up bridger canyon um we were like just went out like what an hour and a half Something like that. It was like around. a three-hour total ride, I think. Yeah, it was. It was beautiful, and um, I, I yeah. What did you think about that ride? Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah Very I, green. I and loved it. It's much greener than Colorado. There, obviously, it rains more because it rained <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first two days we were there. Um, and it, yeah, it was green. The mountains are similar, but just more like densely forested. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, I the reason it also reminded me of Crested Butte was how you would have like these valleys and these farms. And then you'd see the the mountains sort of surrounding the gorgeous meadows and farmlands. Yeah, yeah, it's really so nice. I, I really enjoyed the scenery quite a bit. Yeah. Um, great ride. So my IT band and my knee were bugging me a little bit that day, and I started becoming panicky that I wouldn't be able to ride on this on this um, Pacific Northwest tour. But um, thankful that once we got to Coeur d'Alene, it sort of started acting properly. I think doing the core and the strength work on the trip kind of like reset my my body and um we've had some wonderful rides in Coeur d'Alene why don't you mention what we've been doing um yeah so we got here and the first day 
we we did a big ride around the whole lake of Coeur d'Alene, Lake Coeur Yeah, well, you and Sophia did the the full route, and right? And I didn't think ninety one miles would be great for me. I'm not quite in shape for that, and yeah. I did want to flare up my knee, so unfortunately, I had to like turn around. But I still had a wonderful forty mile ride. Oh, and we skipped actually Missoula, Montana. Oh my God, we went to Missoula. Yeah. I loved so Missoula. We did two, two days in Missoula. Got a couple, couple or yeah, a couple good rides. It's all yeah. sort of blurring together. Um, yeah, it was just that was really fun to see yeah. Missoula. And I have an old friend that I grew up with, Jim Chapman. He owns Black Coffee Roastery in Bose, uh, Missoula. It's really cool coffee shop. Um, and got to reconnect with him after twenty five years. Yeah, you enjoyed that. I did. It filled my heart. <laughs> it was really, really special. Yeah. So yeah, and. He, he, we had some great rides there, and then we've been in Coeur d'Alene for a couple of days, and you and Sophia did this yeah, incredible route around yeah, nice, the entire like, lake. five-hour ride around the lake, um, and then yesterday we did more of a climby, shorter but more climby ride you into the about, mountains. You like, had four service roads or something, right? Yeah, it was mostly dirt roads, and you got up pretty high. Like, it was a 90-minute long climb or something, and um, yeah, it just was, great, it was beautiful. Something. Yeah. And I have to tell you, like, my, my heart was just so grateful when I got we got home from the ride that I finally got to go on the full ride with you and Sophia and, like, be a part of the adventure and not miss out. Because I hate that I've had to miss out on some of your your great epic rides. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're finding out that we're, we're all different. We all have our own um, obstacles, I guess, or things that we have to deal with, some people more than others, and... Yeah, you have to build back more progressively and slowly, and you're just more, for lack of a better word, you're more sensitive. And fragile. Fragile. Yeah, that's very better word. <laughs> well, I am, um, and you and Sophia are a bit more sturdy and durable, um, and I admire that. And sometimes, frankly, I'm jealous. Um, so yesterday, I was really grateful. I got to be part of the full adventure. Man, we had fun. Yeah, it was great. So today, we're gonna record this podcast, pack up all the hoses and tubes outside and head to Washington State. Yes. And just keep riding and Visits riding and visit some more friends. You got friends scattered all over this. Well, country. so do you. We get to go <laughs> see your buddy in Bend. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So we've just been getting some good base miles in. Yeah. So I think <laughs> lots of fun pictures and videos on, on Instagram if you want to follow our, our trip. Yep. And then those following our 2020 season salvation plan are also getting their base miles in. Um, and that's where I've been getting a lot of questions about mm-hmm. fueling these rides. Um, even did we did a quick little video tip thing on Instagram um, the other day. Oh, yes. Same idea. So we just wanted to sort of elaborate on right. that a little bit and um, give people... It seems to be a topic of interest for people, you know, eating, diet, nutrition, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, it's really important. I mean, if you don't yeah. fuel well on a, a ride... It, Reduces the enjoyment of it immensely. Yeah, so we'll give our two cents on that. Um, I mean, we're not dietitians or nutritionists of any serious kind, but we've been in this industry of training and racing for a very long time. So we'll give you our what we've learned along the way, what works for us, what works for you know most of our athletes, and then maybe even some ideas on some of our more, quote, unusual athletes that need more attention on mm-hmm. diet and food and things for fueling. So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. But before we get to that, um, let's go over... We actually got some questions um, 
as sort of the racing calendar now is getting slowly repopulated for the end of 2020. Um, I've been getting some emails from people, you know, like, oh, I've got a race now that may happen 12 weeks from now. What do you suggest we do? Or um, things of that nature. So I thought I would just hit on those because I think a lot of people out there listening might be in similar situations. Um, So the first one, actually, the first one's more of a kudos to us, I guess, or, or to All the right. training let's, plan. Let's pat have. ourselves on the back. So from, What'd from you get? Kia Kelly, she's, she's someone who, um, I started coaching over the winter. She lives in Denver and she was selected for the lead boat challenge, which mm. was the Leadville, um, Saturday Leadville 100 followed by the Sunday steamboat black gravel, um, which sadly has been postponed to next year. They're going to plan on having it again next year. So she and I both just had our entries transferred over there. Um, but she just wrote me an email the other day, and I wanted to share it. It says, Coach Cody, with exclamation, <clears throat> I just have to tell you that the base training has paid off. I'm feeling good on the long on the long ones and definitely noticed a huge difference in how many calories I feel like I need on the long rides. We did a big one yesterday, link below. She shared the Strava link. And I'm surprised at how much more efficient my body feels on the long rides compared to a few months ago. And that I have some steam to keep pushing at the end. Mm. Thanks so much, mm-hmm. Kia. So I thought That's that was... That's really cool. Yeah, she, she yeah. came a long way. She was coming off of a pretty major knee injury um, that happened many months ago. And she was rehabbing over at Cascade Sports mm-hmm. next door to us, That's PT. Right. And then she's like, I'm ready to tackle some, some bike riding stuff. And they sent her over to us to, to get her on a, on a cycling program. And yeah, she's been very diligent, um, incorporating all the strength training and our base builder plan and a build that was supposed to come up to some events now, right? Um, which have been canceled. But uh, she's not she's letting that keep stop. Keep it her. on, keep it on. Yeah, she's out there getting her, using her fitness now. Yeah. So her good. main um, point, I think, her excitement was that she's feeling so much better at the at the end of a longer ride. Like it feels like she has a little more oomph. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep, and she's a definitely like an aerobic machine, Is kind she? of a diesel engine can go That's awesome. all day. So she would have done quite well, I think, at the lead boat. So uh, we'll see if she um, ends up doing that next year. Let's see. Have you asked her if she wants to go down to Marathon Nationals in uh, Amarillo, Texas, in November? I think she decided she's given up on racing this year or okay. the idea of racing just this year to train. and is just having fun riding yeah all right uh, yeah. maybe doing, i'll reach out to her she's doing some big self-planned or you know friend planned with friend like long rides oh, like adventures, adventures yeah okay stuff. that's yeah. cool um so anyway that was that was a good one um let's see we got harold yeah on the road here we're pulling these off our computer so we're not quite as smooth here but yeah so <clears throat> Um, Harold Dickoff, he's uh, asked some questions before on the show. He's from the Netherlands. Um, he's got been following a lot of our training plans. Mm-hmm. And he had a question because he has a race coming up um, the 8th of November. 8th of and November. And he's wondering okay. what to do kind of between now and like a race prep plan that would build him up to that. So I'll read the question. Hello, Cody. How are you? I have a question about what to do the next 10 weeks before I start the XCM, Cross Country Marathon, mountain bike race prep plan for my A race that's now scheduled for the 8th of November. I just finished the anaerobic threshold booster plan, Mm -hmm. 
And he said, especially the 16-minute intervals in the beginning were very hard, if not impossible. Mm. The shorter intervals became, uh, that came during the plan were much easier for me. So I think I should work more on my endurance pace for my A race, which mm. is a 65-mile marathon mountain bike race. Okay. Also, I think I should improve climbing. Could you give me advice what to do the next 10 weeks to improve these aspects? I don't need a peak before the 8th of November. I think I'm reading that right. Is the salvation plan something, or should I focus more on mid-intensity aerobic threshold booster or even low-intensity endurance between now and then? Okay. And he wrote a list out of what he's kind of followed recently. He did. He started last winter with a 12-week base builder um, low volume plan. Okay. And then originally this race was going to be like in the spring. So he then tran- transferred over to the cross country marathon race prep plan, which is 10, mm-hmm. 10 week. And the race got canceled because of COVID. And so he got on our aerobic threshold booster plan and then followed that with our anaerobic threshold booster oh, plan. So he's really been doing what we've been doing yeah, this whole time. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, and maintaining his fitness and sounding like maybe gaining some fitness. And now he's wondering, okay, I've got my now fall event it's been moved to the fall and it's actually not too unsimilar to us with marathon nationals which as of now is scheduled for november 14th or 15th Mm -hmm. so his is like a week before but essentially the same and he's wondering so that so the marathon mountain bike race prep plans 10 weeks so he's count backward from november 8th 10 weeks and he's determined he has 10 weeks at this point to sort of fill in the gap right before he starts that um plan Um, so he's kind of wondering what should he do with those 10 weeks so I I wrote him back and and gave him a few suggestions Um, and there's a number of things people can do here so being that he has a large collection of our training plans um, at his disposal I gave him two options to sort of reuse plans and then also joining our season salvation plan so all of our plans, with the exception of the season salvation plan, because it's so unique to the times with COVID, all the other ones, though, all our stock training plans are reusable, meaning you buy them once and you can use them and then reuse them again next year or even later on in the same year or however I want it. Like once it's yours, it's yours, it's in your library. So I told him, you know, if you've got 10 weeks, it's a good time to go back and do some base training, essentially that it will build you up and leave you with 10 weeks of race prep, just like we would do in the winter and spring months. So I told him one option is just reuse that 12-week base builder. So Mm -hmm. he he has that. That's pretty simple. Now, it's not exactly 10 weeks. So I said, you know, we're we're later in the season, being summer now. You're more fit. So just take the first two weeks of the base builder off and start on week three. And that would leave you 10 weeks Mm -hmm. of, quote-unquote, base training of the base builder plan to build up and then that would end and then you'd go into your 10 week race prep plan for your November peak. Um, so that would be one option. Another option being that he has our aerobic and anaerobic right, threshold that's what jumped out to me. booster plans. Yeah. Right. Is to actually repeat those, mm-hmm. um, would be a great option. And he's, he said also in there something about, um, you know, he feels like is maybe the more endurance or aerobic right, end of right. things. So, that would make sense to me is to consider repeating that aerobic threshold. Yeah, that's that was my first thought when you 
read the part of his email that he said those 16 minute ones were so hard for him. Right, right. So going back and do, doing those six weeks aerobic booster plan again, and then you'd still have four more weeks to go. So maybe do the first four weeks of the anaerobic threshold plan. That right, he that gets has. you the 16 minute ones and the eight minute ones. Right. And maybe the four, I can't remember now, but yeah, that would be... Yeah, that would actually my, work. That's my my two cents. That's what that's what Kathy votes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that would actually be a great great way to do it. Um, and so neither one of those options would cost him any money. He has right. those plans. He reload them, put populate them in there, and off he goes. And what's cool is when you redo a training plan again, you are now more familiar with it. So mm-hmm. you're just usually when you're more familiar with it, you're more effective with the training too. You know, you know how to pace things better, how to you know work it. Well, it goes along with what we talked about a couple episodes ago in our podcast about keeping it simple. Like, intervals don't have to be complicated and fancy. Right. Um, And so, like, he doesn't have to go find, like, another coaching plan or another special thing to try to wow himself. It's like, now go back and revisit what you've done and do it better this time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, do it better. You and I have done the same intervals for years Years. and years and years. and. I think they're just as effective and even more so because they're not new. Like, they're familiar. And like you said, we we just know kind of how to pace it better and, like, which routes to use, et yeah, cetera. Yeah, and how to fuel them properly. How and to all fuel that them properly. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I'm, we're big fans of that. So yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, and then the third option was to consider joining our um, season salvation plan, which we've been kind of promoting the last few weeks here. And that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that plan is also 12 weeks, so he could jump on that um, and follow that along. And he kind of have two options. He could do the full season salvation plan at 12 weeks and then trim his race prep plan by two weeks to fit in the allotted weeks that he has to work with. Or he could uh, skip ahead two weeks and start um, season salvation two weeks in or lop the last two weeks of season right, salvation right. off. And ultimately that's what he wrote back and decided oh, okay. he was well, going to do. That's nice too. <laughs> he I likes mean, training with us, which is great. Well, we, it's we it's fun. That. You can just be right along with us. Yeah. Okay. So he's going to do the season salvation plan. And then when we hit week 10 and still have two more weeks to go of that, he's actually going to stop that reload, upload his uh, cross country marathon, 10 week race prep plan and take off. From All right. There. That's perfect. Yeah. So I think that'll work out really well for him. So um, hopefully that makes sense to everyone. And the idea was just to show how usable and reusable these plans are and mm-hmm. how to kind of take something when, you, when you're trying to peak for an event and you only have X number of weeks to work with that you can trim things on the ends a little bit. You can extend things if you like have more weeks to work with. Right. Um, and that sort of thing. So um, that was a good question, I thought. Thanks, Harold. Thanks, Harold. Yeah, he's the, been a faithful supporter, which is great. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, and then I had a... Okay, next question was from Brent Williams. Um, I think he's a Colorado guy. Let me pull it up real quick. Where is it? I'm pretty sure he's a Colorado guy. Um, and this one's a little bit different for us. So he, uh, Brent is a triathlete. Um, and his question is all about, uh, or is about swimming because okay. I guess, um, things are opening up. Right. The pools have been closed for weeks and weeks and weeks. Right. And I think some in, depending on where you live, I guess, but some are starting to open up. Mm-hmm. 
and he had a uh, swimming question of like getting back okay. in the pool and whatnot. So I'll just read it real quick. It says, hi, Cody. I really enjoy your plans and podcast. I hope you keep that up. Thanks, Brent. Uh, I do one or two Xterra events a year, so that's off-road triathlon. Given COVID, I shifted the base builder plan out further to accommodate the shift in race dates. Mm-hmm. So good job on that. That has worked well for the bike and the run. However, I have not been swimming at all. Oof. That makes it tough. Yeah. I have been doing some band work, but I'm going to be way out of swim shape as I get back in the pool. I'm about to start your race prep phase, but since I haven't been swimming, I'm looking for advice on how to ease in, but build up to the mile swim in just nine weeks. Well, I don't envy his dilemma. Um, as a non-swimmer, or from a non-swimming background, that was always the hardest part for me when we did Xterra's. The swimming? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Like, the first couple weeks back in the pool were like death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So maybe he's a better swimmer than I am and it won't be so bad. But what, what did you suggest to him? Right, right. Well, first off, I gave him kudos for doing the band work. Oh, um, yeah. That, that is. It takes an extra set of discipline. Yeah. And that will actually pay pretty big dividends. I mean, when I was swimming a lot, doing Xterra's, um, I incorporated some band work later on um, because I actually wanted to swim less. And so band work built up like the muscular endurance and even some right. of the like neuromuscular programming mm-hmm. and can do a, a good job with that. But so his question is more on how to um, get back in the pool and build up. So I told him um, from my experience with swimming and swim training is the frequency is the name of the game. Right. So instead of like, just like we said on the, um, the biking, like instead of doing an hour three times a week go more often and do shorter time if you need to right um exactly and this lines up very well with what we said like i think you just said that sorry i got distracted yes sorry sophia had to go out the door (laughs) Um, (laughs) rv life is yeah first and foremost is about building frequency and this pertains to running swimming cycling all that sort of thing but i think especially so the more technical neuromuscularly challenging uh, activity, swimming being among the top. Absolutely. Swimming and golf, I suppose. Um, The frequency is super key because it's like you want to keep the patterning of the movement Mm -hmm. and the skill base. You want to hit that like as often, as frequent as possible. Um, So I suggested, you know, try to make it work in your schedule where you can do you know, it'd be better to do four 30-minute swims a week, you know, and gradually building right. up, rather than two one-hour swims Absolutely. a week, if you can. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I suggested to him was, you know, returning from some time off is you want to keep the swim intervals shorter. Um, so starting with something like 20 by 50 with, say, 10 seconds of rest and just doing it at a aerobic or easy to moderate pace. Uh, but giving those breaks, that'll help keep doing short intervals with the breaks, keeps your form intact. Right. Um, whereas if you were to do four or five hundreds or something, that you your form's going to get sloppy if you haven't been swimming recently. Right, then you're just going to reinforce bad movement patterns. Right, exactly. Which if you're not a great swimmer anyway is just to your detriment. Right, right. And then just gradually build up, you know. So maybe your first four swims that week are 
you know, a bunch of 50s, you know, an easy pace to kind of get the feel of the water back. And then eventually you progress to, uh, so let's say, 15 times 100. So the intervals get a little bit longer. And then eventually some 200s and, and so on mm-hmm. to build up that endurance, muscular endurance, while keeping that neuromuscular programming and technique intact. Well, I, I think it was a great answer. And it actually made me go back to the, our triathlon days and start thinking about how that also related to running. Like if you're getting back in running shape, same thing. You'd want to like maybe like run a 400, walk a 400, run a 400, walk a 400. And that way your running form doesn't fall to crap. Right. Uh, people don't think of running being technical, but it actually oh, it's very, very yeah. technical. And as you get tired, you get sloppy, and then you might start loping instead of having a, a nice crisp cadence. Right. And then you're going to, yeah, pound your knees, pound your ankles. So right. it's always better as you're getting back in shape to keep the interval shorter. Yeah, yeah. Swimming and running for sure. We're lucky as cyclists because as we fatigue, let's say, in a long ride, we're in a relatively fixed position and the bike is supporting us. So mm-hmm. even if we start to get kind of like, quote, lazy or, you know, just from being tired and slumped over or whatever, we're it's harder to fall out of a good pattern of the movement of our bodies. I mean, right. it, it can happen and it does happen, but nowhere near as drastic or noticeable like with swimming and running. It's nowhere near as and, drastic. Or nor as risky for right. injury and stuff. So, Yeah, that's uh, an interesting. I, it's funny you brought that up because um, when we were in Missoula, uh, not Missoula, sorry, Bozeman riding at Bridger Can- Canyon, I could sort of feel my knee being tight right where the IT band like attaches to it. Yeah. And so I was thinking about having the most efficient pedal stroke I could um, and really having to think about it as we got tired, like we had like an hour left of the three and a half hour bike ride and just that full, smooth, fluid pedal stroke and using my glutes and my hamstrings. Um, but as you just mentioned, because the bike is supporting me, I didn't have to be perfect with it. Right. I, I kept trying to check in, check in, check in with my body to make sure, but man, in the pool, you if, can't, <laughs> you, yeah, if you like get tired, you're going to drown. Right. <laughs> if your form falls apart. <laughs> I guess if you get really tired. Yeah, if you're really tired. Um, so You get anyway. very sloppy, if nothing else. That's cool. You got a swim question. Um, Good luck, Brent. Man. Yeah. I'm sure that it's got to be tough. I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm not a triathlete in these times. Cause, it would have been very stressful. Yeah, that would have been tough. I mean, you'd have to just let go and be like, I'm just going to improve my running or my cycling right. and not worry about it. Lift but then weights. getting back into it and like races popping up and like, oh, you've got 10 weeks to the race. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you saw Paige uh, Swenson's post on Instagram. So Paige is one of our in-house base builder cyclists, and she's an amazing swimmer. I think she swam in college, and we, we would always end up at the rec center back in the day together, and I would just enviously watch her swimming laps. Mm-hmm. But she hadn't swam for a couple months, and she found some sort of pool in Denver, some private pool where she yeah, could I mean, pay. And, yeah, so she posted... Like that she had done 2,800 yards, which for her would not normally be that much. And she was completely gassed. gassed afterwards, yeah. <laughs> like exhausted. So yeah, okay. good luck. Good luck, Brent. Yeah, good luck to all the triathletes out there getting back in the pool. Um, all right, one more question, and then we'll kind of move on with the main topic. This one comes from uh, New Zealand, from Willie H. Uh, looks like he might... Uh, I was thinking maybe an ex-triathlete, but he's not. Um, so Willie H. from New Zealand had a question... So keep in mind, New Zealand, Southern Hemisphere, they're in the middle of winter now that we're in the Hmm. middle of summer. So he's got a kind of a base training, base builder question. Um, So I thought I'd just throw it out there for any 
our other Southern Hemisphere listeners. Um, he says, I have 42 weeks, a long time, until my big race. Would it be better for me to do base training plan before doing a normal training plan? I guess he's thinking like a, ra- a race prep plan, perhaps. Or maybe even like base mileage before getting on to any of our training mm, plans. I'm okay. not I'm totally sure on that. But um, I'm not as fit as I thought I was. As I was struggling going up moderate hills on some new tracks I was riding over the weekend. Okay. And he said, okay, losing some weight would be a good idea as well. With a smiley face. <laughs> Your right. thoughts. Well, it sounds like he might have taken some time off. Right. And to his regret, it sounds like maybe a few COVID pounds got packed COVID on. Pounds, right. And um, yeah, a little bit out of shape. So wh- yeah, what'd you say back to him? Yeah. Well, okay. So his question in a nutshell is he's got a long time, 42 weeks good almost a full year to build up to his a race so um and he was wondering kind of what to do with these 42 weeks so um can be a little daunting that's a long time yeah so my first suggestion to him was anytime you have like a long time until your next a race is find some other race it doesn't have to be a major a plus type of race but at least something to work towards to build fitness Mm -hmm. and keep you interested, keep you interested, motivated. Yeah. And get a little bit of a peak, even if it's more of like a soft peak, like maybe let's just throw out Leadville again. I I know I use that as an example again, but or a lot, you know, that's happens every August, big race. That's for many people, their big a race of the year. Well, instead of training from November to August with that one sole race in mind, pick something, and I tell people this all the time, pick something in, in May or June that to sort of peak for, mm-hmm. build fitness for, get that fun and um, experience, and pr- it's like a practice run of building fitness. Absolutely. You're practicing your fueling. You're practicing your bike um, preparation. For right, it. right. And then recover from that, mm-hmm. and then do a smaller build into the main event, which in this example right. would be Leadville. So not too dissimilar to what we're doing with our current season right now. Like we just sort of quote unquote peaked, although there was no event, we just peaked our fitness and some people on our team got KOMs on Strava and that kind of stuff, did the most that we could with that. And then we took a little break and now we're rebuilding for racing that will hopefully resume in August, September, Mm -hmm. October. So same kind of idea. So I told him, suggested to him, pick something that is more like, you know, 30-ish weeks out, and then peak for that, and then come down with a rest week, and then you'll have 10 or 12 weeks to rebuild and peak, and more often than not, you come to a little bit bigger peak that second time, um, because you've built all this fitness, you've rested a little bit, but still maintained Mm -hmm. a lot of that fitness, and then you're building it to like a higher level. Um, So that was kind of step one, and basically, it's, you know, how you go about that with the number of weeks, there's a lot of variability there. So mm-hmm. depending on when that intermediate sort of A race or that first smaller peak would occur depends on, that depends on, you know, when that is in the schedule, I guess. Right. As far as like how much base builder you do, how much race prep you do. Um, and you don't have to be in shape to start doing base builder. I mean, that will help you get in shape. True. Very so good point. it sounds like he might be a little bit discouraged when he 
saw the accurate state of his fitness, but it's okay. But like, you have a long time. You yeah. have a long time. Right. And the base builder program or a base plan of some sort will kind of um, ease you into getting in shape. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was like the main part of his question is he had 42 weeks. It's a long time. You know, how do I do this? So I think the way you do that, just to summarize the summary, <laughs> is find some other event that's, yeah, that's in the good. middle there or two-thirds of the way towards your event, build that fitness, do a bit of a peak, rest, and then rebuild for that, that main A race that you have that's far out. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Willie. Cool. And, and actually, I, I need to correct you. We have one more question we we're going to talk about. Okay. You just didn't get it on the sheet. Okay. Uh, about um, how when we have a recovery week, mm -hmm. we lose fitness. Yes. Okay, so one of our, our friends called and talked with you about that the other day, and the We Devo writers are always fretting about that. Like, how how am I going to do a recovery week or a rest week and not lose fitness? Right. But my numbers, my CTL are, numbers are going to go down on training peaks, <laughs> and I'm panicking. Right. So let's talk about that. It's yeah. really important. Yeah, and it's very uh, time appropriate appropriate for right. where we are right now because we just came off of a rest week so yeah so like i just said we we build up to a peak then you take a, a rest week so one thing to kind of clarify too is there's the difference between a rest week and a recovery week in my book in my the way i name things so recovery weeks happen in most cases every three to six weeks you'll take a recovery week and you keep training um but the the load lessens, the volume lessens, um, the intensity mostly lessens. You might keep a little bit of intensity in there, but they're just shorter, smaller, lighter weeks to. But you keep training okay. versus the rest week, which I prescribe at the end of a peak. Um, it can be a one to two to three weeks at the end of a full season, or in this case, in the middle of a season, it might just be three, four days to a week okay. um, of just no riding. So rest means nothing. Um, and when you do nothing, your fitness does decline, um, especially if you're looking at the the graphics on training peaks. Mm -hmm. the, the raw data. Yeah, the performance management chart, and you see your the graph, the, the line graph, and you know it's been building for weeks and months, and you reach a high level. And, and you, you feel know, pretty cool about it. Yeah, you feel really good about yourself. <laughs> but you actually are really tired. And so then you come down off of that and that you see that line going down. And I think it's tough for a lot of athletes to see graphically like, oh, I'm losing fitness. But what they forget is in the process of losing quote unquote fitness, you're gaining what Training Peaks calls freshness. Or which form? Is, is it the same or thing? Or form, it's yeah. This, yeah, the yellow line. Um, TSB is the actual training okay. stress balance. And so as your fitness comes down, your freshness or form goes up, and lo and behold, you actually start to feel better. <laughs> and an anecdotal story about that is that our daughter, Sophia, who can hear us talking, um, she took, I think, four days off mm -hmm. um, as we're driving and resting, and she said something like, I didn't realize how much my legs hurt all the time. I, though that was just the norm for me. Mm -hmm. and now that I've taken several days off the bike and I feel better, I realize I was very tired. Right. Right. You remember that conversation yeah. we had? Yeah. And I think she was just 
feeling really good on a ride for maybe the first time in many weeks. Well, perhaps. yeah, and then yesterday on our really cool backcountry ride, she said something again about it, like, wow, I feel really, like, really good for the first time. And we, like, laughed and called her a dipshit and said, <laughs> well, yeah, because you took a rest. You know, that's what happens. And, right. But it was, it, I mean, all jokes aside, because we like to tease her, but it was really cool to see it um, play out with her. Like, she's worked her tail off the last several months, and she did peak. She may had all these QOMs, and it was really, really cool to see. Yeah. Um, but she was also getting used to feeling kind of, quote, crappy all the time. Just sort of tired yeah. and down. Yeah. And now she's feeling fresher and uh, rejuvenated and, like, ready to ride again. Right, right. And so that's all part of the it's, process. It's, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, she had noticed her numbers, her C is it CTL? Yeah. Her chronic training load score dropped down on, on training peaks and, oh, mom, it dropped down. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it too. Mine had gone up to like 75 and it was like down to 62 or something. And um, I had the, that moment too of, oh, no, it went down. But it's it's just really part important and part, part of, of the, process. the process. Exactly. And so when we're building fitness towards an A race, we're building that CTL, that fitness up. Mm-hmm. With that comes, ti- you know, being tired, fatigue. Mm-hmm. As, you know, training makes you more tired and breaks you down. And then you reach a peak level of, quote, fitness or CTL. And then part of the race prep plan as you work towards your race in those closing weeks is there is a tapering type of process that occurs where you're lowering the training load so that, f- and this is where the tricky part comes in, is you want to, minimize the loss in fitness but maximize the freshness and there's mm-hmm. definitely a difficult balance there and it's it's really even more of an art than a science i think because it's different for every individual of like how much training is the right amount when you're going into wanting to actually peak for peak for performance for an event let's say so but part of that is you build that fitness up and then typically i have athletes reach their highest ctl number that fitness number mm-hmm about three or three or so weeks before their a race and then it's those last two to three weeks where you actually want to lose that ctl lower the ctl because in in that process your freshness your form that yellow line goes up so you're so because the idea is you want to maintain as much fitness as you've created but also maximize that freshness so you can go really hard and have a peak performance on race day and that's really tricky so it kind of comes down. So using my numbers, just because I know them well in my head, I like to build up my CTL number to about 110, um, about three weeks before an event. And then on event day, I like to be in like 95 to 100. If it's a shorter race, I like to be closer to 100. If it's a longer like marathon, oh, right. That's important. it might come down okay. more to like 95. So 10 or 15 uh, CTL points over those last two to three weeks. That's usually enough to, that's a lot of fitness still for me to be hovering, let's say upper nineties, but also in that process, I've increased the freshness and race readiness in there. And then you take that week off that rest week, or, you know, let's say four days to four to seven days off as a mid season break. When you go to no training at all, that's when it like really plummets. So then I might go down if if my race fitness was at ninety five, it'll go down to like eighty five or somewhere in the low eighties usually with that break. And it's like, oh, okay, I was at one ten, now I'm at 
80. Does it ever make you have a little, little bit of a panic? Or well, do you know now that that's, that's yeah, okay? I just, I just know now, and it's kind of exciting. Usually I'm ready for that break, and I'm wanting that break, and I've been mm-hmm. looking forward to that break. And then I know, like, okay, fitness has come down. Now I get to, like, train hard again, you know, work hard again, and, and build back up. And to me, that's, like, exciting. Because if, if I were to build it up to that, say, 110 number... And maybe, like, rest a couple days, do a race, and then try to, like, keep training and build it up to 115 or 120, which I have done in the past. Then it's, like, the fatigue just starts to pile on top of itself, Mm -hmm. and you just end up getting, yes, you're, quote, fitter, but you're also way more tired. Like, for me, I know when I get over 100 CTL, that level of fatigue that I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis is very noticeable. Okay. And when I get close to 110, it's extremely noticeable. And I've gone to 120, even 125 in years past. But for me, then I'm like treading this line of just complete exhaustion or getting sick or, you know, and I know for me, it's like, I know I'm reaching a high level of fitness and I'm ready to rest. And if I were to just keep going, it just wouldn't end well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what stands out to me? Uh, with what you just said, it's just how you kept saying for me, for me. Yeah. The CTL is very personal. Definitely. Like, um, someone might be more hovering around like the seventies and that means they're really fit. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. It's all related to how much volume airplane going by, how much volume a person does. And you know, cause it's your training over the last like 42 days is what it's like this rolling average. And so obviously the more training you do, the higher that number, but it's all relative. So mm-hmm. someone who trains 10 hours a week versus someone who trains 15 versus someone who trains 25, it's all going to get to different levels. Um, and it really takes seasons and seasons, years and years of playing with these numbers, seeing these numbers, what they get to, what, where do you actually feel good and, and ride feeling good. You know, So using Sophia's example... We could go back and see, okay, we got your CTL to this number. We had you rest. You came down to this number, and lo and behold, you felt great. And you did some great performances on Strava and all that. And mm-hmm. so let's remember that. So when we're building again for races later in the season, let's, we'll likely try to mimic those numbers, matching those numbers again. Get it up to that one number, right. bring it back down to the other number, and you should in theory, you should feel great again and be ready for more peak performances. So you learn that over, it takes a f- several seasons, Agreed. you know, two or three seasons of logging all those, all that data to figure it out. But, um, and then lastly, you just don't want to become so tied into those numbers that it like plays in your head weird because I've had amazing races on 75 CTL. And right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, they're not like hard and fast. You're not yeah. a machine where it's like. Right, the data points just can only say so much. Right. You're not, yeah, you're not a robot. Right. Way more comes into play when it when it involves a race, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so don't get so fixated on those numbers. Just know they're there and you look at them almost more in hindsight and learning from where you once were. And, mm-hmm. and and how you felt, and then using that data forward to, to plan and doing your best to right. sort of emulate those P 
peaks and valleys. Love it. Okay, I think that does wrap up our questions, and we'll go on to the fueling for endurance riding. Okay. Click, click, click on my computer <laughs> keyboard to pull the notes back up. Um, yeah, so this is, a, I think, a popular topic. but um, And we did a podcast. We should have looked. It was quite a ways back on nutrition periodization, and this kind of falls in line a lot with that because right now we're in this period, time of the season, where we're doing our easy aerobic base miles. Um, if you're rebuilding for like some late summer fall racing now this year, if you're following our 2020 season salvation plan, we're very much in that low intensity building miles, so to speak, building volume. And that's what we talked about in the last episode 37 was how to figure out how much volume to do for this. Um, nutrition kind of changes with that because we, a few weeks ago, we were doing high intensity training and that takes a different kind of fueling. You know, the rides are different durations. Mm -hmm. You're working at different, you know, intensity levels. So you need to fuel yourself a little bit differently. So I want to talk just specifically about the endurance. That's good. Ride yeah. fueling. Endurance ride fueling. Yeah. So I think in general, um, the quality of your nutrition is paramount to how you're going to feel and perform on any given day. Would you agree? I would agree. <laughs> so high quality. Yeah, so high what quality. is it? Well, it's just funny how you looked at me. Um, what does that mean? High yeah, quality. Uh, it, it definitely means McDonald's and Domino's. <laughs> right. No. Um, it means you, well, if you're, are you referring to eating during the day or on the ride? Uh, well, both, really. Okay. I mean, just sort of well, general. I think for me, I would say for high-quality foods, it's me it means you're probably going to be preparing the food yourself at home. Right. So you can be in control of, like, the ingredients. Um, yeah, nutrition, nutrient-dense foods, um, good, healthy grains, lots of vitamins and minerals that are in foods, so you're mm -hmm. eating fruits and vegetables. and. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean you can never have a treat, for God's sakes, but... Um, just like really thinking about that the food is 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 going to just like make you a healthy person or make you kind of a mediocre person. Right. Yeah. How do you feel after you eat a delicious salad with, you know, beans and whatever the local fresh vegetables are mm -hmm. at the moment compared to how you eat after or how you feel after you eat a chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A Chick or something. Yeah, I mean, it's delicious yeah. going down, but you kind of feel a little bit ick afterwards. Right. Yeah, and then re referring to riding, I mean, th there's just so many options there for longer rides if you know you can just stop in and, and eat versus having to slug a, a gel down during an interval workout. So. Right, right. So take a step back and think about what are the objectives of the training during mm -hmm. this block, these, these kind of slower, longer endurance rides is we're training that aerobic energy system, we're training our body to utilize fat for fuel, sparing carbohydrates, you know, minimizing carbohydrate usage, getting more efficient in that standpoint. So it makes sense to be able to, at the very least, consume a little bit more fat in our diets, um, pref preferably healthier fats, in quotes, uh, meaning like high, things that high in omega-3s, um, Avocados, avocados, nuts, yeah. olive oil, salmon. Yeah, coconut. Um, th those are kind of the main ones, and um, and then also maximizing 
uh, fiber in your diet, which you should do in general all the time, but th <laughs> this time of the training block, most definitely. Um, because what, you know, what do these fat and fiber do for you is it slows down the digestion rate of food. Um, so if you've heard of the glycemic index, um, I have heard of it. If you've heard of that, yeah. So that has to do with how quickly the carbohydrates you consume enter your bloodstream and provide you with fuel or get stored as fat. The fat will slow that down. Well, actually, I should take a step back. So fiber will slow that down. Fiber is also a carbohydrate, part of a carbohydrate. will slow down that, lower that glycemic index. And then there's also the concept of the glycemic load of not only the carbohydrates that you're consuming, but also all the foods, including the proteins and fats. So when you include proteins and fats with your carbohydrates, that glycemic load gets lowered, meaning it is basically it means it takes longer for it to digest and get into your bloodstream. Um, so what that will do is provide you kind of a slower burn of energy versus like a spike of right. Of so your think of a coke, jumping. yeah, a coke or even a gel or a energy drink is almost like. It's basically just liquid sugar that gets more or less immediately mm -hmm. into your bloodstream. Um, but we don't need that th right now. You need that kind of stuff perhaps later on when we're doing high-intensity training. Mm -hmm. But for now, we want more of that like low and slow like burn of fuel that, so you can just kind of keep riding you know, all day or as long as you have available, um, training your body to utilize, utilize that fat for fuel, um, sparing the, the glycogen, um, and just building that aerobic infrastructure. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, basically, you're just looking for... High-quality nutrition, or nutrient-dense foods. So right. if you know you have a long ride, like you and Sophia got ready for the Lake Coeur d'Alene loop. Right. You knew it was going to be 91 miles, no surprises, like, what, 5,000 feet of climbing? Mm -hmm. That's a long day. You... You, you knew it was like five or six hours of being out there. Mm -hmm. So how did you plan your breakfast for that ride? Yeah, so um, breakfast, uh, you still want them to be carbohydrate focused, okay. but while adding, making sure there's a large chunk of fiber in there and then the fats like we talked about. So um, so we had waffles that morning. Yeah, I think yeah. we had waffles. So we're big fans of the Kodiak cake brand waffle mm -hmm. mix um, because it has fiber, it has some protein in there. Um, kind of more, quote, whole grain type thing. Um, we've got our little waffle maker here in the in the RV. And we like to actually throw in, like, chia seeds or crushed flax to add additional fiber to it as well. Right. Just some delicious texture. And we make up the waffles, and then on top of our waffles, we'll put whatever kind of fruit we have, um, bananas, strawberries, blueberries, whatever we have on hand. That's going to give you more carbohydrates, um, more, more fiber, fiber, and then more often than not, we throw some sort of nuts on top of that, like yeah, some sliced almonds. Yeah, I think you had almonds, some sliced almonds, and then walnuts. You, walnuts, and then you like had that. that yummy huckleberry syrup that we picked up um, in Bose. No, not Bose, Billings, Montana. Yeah, that was like a fun treat for yeah, the, the waffles. The local huckleberry syrup, and that's really just <laughs> sugar, <laughs> but yeah, but it was fun. But it was delicious. Yeah, so that makes it taste really good. So. Um, so you kind of had everything there. You had the carbs, you had the fiber, you had the um, some little bit of protein, a little bit of fat. Good fats and yeah. the nuts and things. So, yeah, I mean, and then I had two of those waffles, a bunch of blueberries and the syrup. Um, 
think that's all I had. But that came out to like 800 calories or something. So pretty heavy bolus of calories right mm-hmm. off the bat. That'll kind of <clears throat> stock up the glycogen and off we go riding. So um, some other breakfast options we do consider. So if you're not a waffle or pancake person, oatmeal is a really yeah. good option that we eat a lot of. I prefer oatmeal over the waffles. You pre- yeah, yeah you I'm not really that. a waffle fan for some reason. Yeah, so get the like the old-fashioned oats or even the steel-cut oats. You know, try to minimize like the more processed um, quick oats or minute oats or whatever. Um, the more intact the oats are, the slower that burn is, the, that, that slightly lowers the glycemic load of mm-hmm. the, the meal. And then same thing, like we said with the waffles, throw in the fruits and the nuts and... Oh, yeah. I just make it a big, like, hodgepodge of oil everything. And, yeah, or stuff, peanut butter sometimes. Peanut I, butter, yeah. I Sometimes I go crazy and put butter and peanut butter. <laughs> and Sophia's been putting um, yogurt, Greek yogurt in hers lately. Yeah. Um, and just adding, it adds richness and... Some fats Fullness and a little protein. And, yeah, a little and, fat. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are our two go-to kind of long ride endurance Yeah, well, if ride. I'm at home... I kind of stick also to my normal, like, giant fruit smoothie full of, like, so much stuff, including yogurt. And then I have um, toast with butter and peanut butter and honey. So I just kind of tend to be routine with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's it. Like, find what works for you. And, and you know, have two or three things that you is your go-to, pre, you know, pre-ride meal and, and make it work. Um Okay, so then on the rides, what, yeah, how do you what feel do you yourself? Yeah, you stick in your pockets for these longer rides? Yeah, so my philosophy is if we're riding slowly and over relatively long durations, intensity's low, so we can more or less eat whatever we want from like a stomach digestive standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could eat pizza and sandwiches and stuff. Um, Tuna salad sandwich. Because it's slow enough. <laughs> Versus, you know, when you're doing intensity or you know high intensity intervals you're pretty limited on what you can consume and that's going to sit in your stomach you're not going to burp or barf it up so um so now you can eat like more whole foods basically more real food um and again sticking with this you know make sure there's some fiber and some fat in there as well so um i mean our trusty go-to is bananas first and foremost they're very portable um you can stuff one or two or even three in your pockets and you know at about 100 calories each you got some fiber you got some good carbohydrates and you know vitamins and minerals and all kinds of stuff so really good and they're cheap Um, a little bag of like nuts and or dried fruit um, is also kind of a go-to staple for us. Yeah yesterday you had a bag with dates and cashews yes and I asked for a few and you huffed and puffed a little bit do you remember that yeah yeah. That was my, my fuel. <laughs> <I know. laughs> you can't just be wanted a couple. stealing other people's fuel. I know. It was a little bit rude, I got it all planned out. <laughs> I know. you. Like, I literally heard you, like, huff. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's that's really true love. Um, I just have to remember to pack a couple extra dates you know knowing always you'll ask, ask you when I pull the bag out. I know. Yeah. Well, and I was also, like, struggling to, like, pull things out of my pocket because I'm not as coordinated on the bike as you guys. You could take your hands off and... I really should have just stopped and like I had one more Lara bar, which is basically cashews and dates, what yeah, you were um, yeah. eating. And I just needed to like shove it in my mouth because I did bonk by the end of the ride because I was like right, just right. so done. It was it was stupid. I knew I should have just stopped and yeah, eaten that bar. Yeah, and in these kind of rides, why not? Had you said something, we would have because it's better to make sure you're fueling throughout these rides. Right. So you don't, so you avoid that bonk because what happens when you bonk is 
you get so depleted and you get home and you're kind of dug yourself a little bit of a hole. Hold on, we got a visitor. Is it 11? Yeah, we'll be out in a second. Is it 11 right now? It is 11. Oh, we're getting kicked out. Oh boy. We better wrap this up. We're getting kicked out. That's hilarious. They're on it here, huh? They are on it. It's 11 o'clock, exactly. Okay. Well, it's only 10.59 and they're knocking on our door. Give me my last minute. All right, so... And a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You could take that in a ride, too, right? Yeah, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then also, if you are into bars, like you said, the Lara bar or those kind bars that are mm -hmm. more whole food-based, like nuts and dried fruit and whatnot in there is a great option. So save the sugary, high-carbohydrate, quick-carbohydrate gels, bars, drinks for later on. In the training block when we're doing higher intensity right. stuff until then i do have a confession yeah i always have a little pile of um sour patch kids in my back pocket okay <laughs> that's okay a little trickle i know of i sugar. just really like i just like the treat of it like it's just fun i i never buy candy and eat it when i was a kid i really didn't get to eat candy very often either so i just like to put a little handful i just put my hand back there and take a nibble now and then yeah yeah and that, there's nothing wrong with that. And then a rule of thumb, too, is if your ride is four hours or less, load up your pockets or get a little handlebar bag, fill it, fill it up with the good food, make that work for your riding. If your ride starts to go beyond the four-hour mark, um, then it's okay to stop at the gas station and, mm -hmm. and load up. Like the ride we did the other day at the three and a half hours into this five-plus-hour ride, um, we stopped at a gas station and we got a like a Red Bull and... Um, a d little oatmeal, dubby oatmeal cream pie, dub like a double decker oatmeal cream pie. Yeah, thing. that looked delicious. So there are times when that sugar bomb is allowable because we knew we were going to just burn that ride up in the remaining hour and a half or whatever mm -hmm. of the ride. So um, there there is a time and a place for that as well. Um, and going from there, and then when you get done with your riding, um, post ride meals. I mean. Again, when you're in more of that like high intensity concentrated training block, I'm a fan of the recovery drinks. Yeah, for sure. Um, with the protein and the carbs and the ratios exact and everything, but I think like during these low intensity blocks that we're we're in now, again going more towards the whole foods options. Um, but but thinking about I need some protein, I need some carbohydrates um, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So my go-to lately has been just Greek yogurt plain Greek yogurt for the protein and the, the good bacteria that's in there. And then load it up with, again, more fruit and nuts um, to get the fiber and, and whatnot in there. Do you so have a you, favorite? Well, you have that bowl when you right when you get back from the ride. Um, and then, like, you wait, like, an hour or two and then make, like, a, a more of a Then more of a meal, hearty. dinner or yeah, whatever. So, yeah, yeah that, I've seen you have those bowls. Um, well, yesterday, since I had my freak out, I, I ate Fritos and a Gatorade. Um, but had I not freaked out and been more, had more of a steady... Yeah, avoid that bunk. Yeah, then yeah. I, I would have come home and probably had the same as you uh, with a bowl of yogurt and granola and fruit. Right, right. Um, and to touch on that, too, again, to quote-unquote avoid the bunk, the caloric intake in your ride should be about half of what you're burning up. Mm, okay. So most, the average size male on an endurance pace ride is probably doing something between five and 600 calories an hour. If you're bigger, it's more. If you're smaller, it's less, but let's say, let's say 600 calories an okay. hour. Um, so the goal would be to consume about 300 calories an hour, about half of that. So what I like to do is think of it even 
more minute in the sense of um, 150 calories every half an hour and try to stay up on top of that. That'll just keep your blood sugar a little more steady. You'll ride better. You won't come home starving. You'll still create an energy deficit um, that you have to replenish or can, can create to create a, a fat loss situation if you're looking right. to do that. Um, but that's kind of a rule of thumb is try to replace about half of your hourly caloric expenditure every hour. So if people are listening and they're thinking, God, I just ne- normally never f- don't feel that great on my um, longer rides. Number one, look at like what they're eating because they just may not be eating enough. They may think, well, I, I had this huge breakfast, so I didn't think I really needed to eat until like the three hour mark. Right. Um, but stay on top of stay it. Stay on top yeah. of it. Because so you're like, digging a hole. You're burning calories as soon as the first pedal right. stroke you take. Because I ate a lot like yesterday morning before we went. Yeah. And then still at the, um, I think it was like about 45 minutes in, I I ate like my first amount. I can't remember what it was I ate. I think it was another lar bar. But like I started eating right away because I know how I am that I'll like freak out if I don't start eating. And I felt great until the very end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. stay on it. So start early, fuel early, keep it going, and um, and you'll be on the right track. So, all right. Right. Cool. I wrap it up before Mr. Marshall comes back and knocks on the door <laughs> for like panicking. Yeah, absolutely. So make some good fueling choices, um, and you'll make the most of these this aerobic block. So if you haven't joined us already, get on board with our 2020 season salvation plan. Um, we can get you set up, have it start whenever you want, but it's 12 weeks building you up to a high level of fitness before possible summer and fall events. Um, go back, listen to our previous episodes to learn more about that. Um, and also to get your 50% discount. So the whole 12-week deal is 49 bucks or 48 bucks, I think, um, with a 50% discount. So And how do they get that um, discount code? It'll, it, the code's in the show notes, and um, there's a link to use it directly, and okay. we can get you loaded up. And, awesome. And away we go. So. And then it. any questions people have, you can shoot over to Cody. Um, you can send it to me, too, but mostly it's Cody. C-O-D-Y, Cody at Team Weight, and that's W-A-I-T-E, teamweight.com. Yep. It's really fun to get your questions, so keep those coming. Yeah, keep those coming. And um, I think that about does it. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Happy writing, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, talk to you next week.